0: Snoop Dogg has announced uh, that he may have to buy Twitter now. So he's got oh, okay. a nice long, uh nice long tweet storm about that. So bit I'm uh-huh. just saying it's a multiple bitter
1: situation, people I am I am trying to buy the assets to path.com. I literally <laughs> tried like three times. I just thought <laughs> it was such a great name, I know it's so good. And I was like, I told Dave Morin, like, can I I asked him if I could buy it? He's like, Yeah, sure, go for it. Um because I didn't I didn't want to buy it and not uh you know we're friendly and fr- i consider as friends and i was just like if i tried to buy that would you be okay with it he's like they're not gonna buy- let me sell it. and i guess some korean firm i think had bought it so hmm. if the folks who own path.com uh want to reach out to me i would give them some equity in it i would back it and i think it would be cool to have like a, a path it's path is a little bit more like an instagram-ish yeah kind of thing but i always yeah. loved the simplicity and the cleanness of it and it, it really did start to work and i think it would be worth paying for um as a as a service so
2: um call us this week in startups is brought to you by our crowd our crowd helps you invest early in pre-ipo companies alongside professional vcs if you're interested in investing you can join our crowd for free at o-u-r-c-r-o-w-d dot com slash twist open phone as a startup founder a lot of mistakes are easy to roll back but using your personal cell phone number as your company number isn't one of them. OpenPhone makes it easy to get business phone numbers for you and your team right on top of your existing devices. Visit OpenPhone.co/twist to get 20% off your first six months. And Gun.io, the simplest way for anyone to hire world-class developers, expertly vetted for you by senior engineers. Get $250 off your first hire at gun.io slash twist.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Friday, and we're doing four for Friday because Molly and I have no ability to get through five stories in five minutes. So I guess the producers put us on a little bit of a medium-sized leash, we're a but we should, we should just we get have, right into we it. We have
0: training wheels, so let's go. Let's yes. go. We can do Topic this. one. Start the one. Timer. Here we
1: go. We Start can do this. All right. Let's all right. get to the first story,
0: Molly. <laughs> story number one: FTX yeah. founder Sam Bankman-Fried has bought about seven percent of Robinhood shares. Are up twenty-five percent this morning, Friday, as we're recording mm-hmm. that. For some context here, Sam Bankman-Fried uh, founded a hedge fund that trades in crypto. He was like not happy with all the options for fulfillment of crypto orders, so he mm-hmm. started FTX, which is a crypto exchange, but it's focused on institutional clients, so not big companies, like a bunch of uh, foundations. Yeah. Memes, yeah, meme buyers. Um, I wonder, and you can tell me if this buy represents some confidence, some opportunity around Robinhood or an influence, uh, an attempt to influence it more in a crypto direction.
1: Yeah. So uh, the person obviously understands markets and trading, right? Uh, and I guess if they're trading crypto for institutions, uh their arrival with Coinbase, who also, I think I mentioned this the other day, does custodial stuff when we're talking about like if you lose your money, what happens to your crypto? And I guess they have like institutions where they will, you know, manage your crypto for you and be the custodian of it, but it's still yours and you have the keys and you have access to it. And then there's everybody else who's logging into an app. Um, and that was part of that big controversy uh the last two days. If Coinbase, which is extremely unlikely, were to go bankrupt, what would happen to your crypto? Right. Um and so I guess uh, FTX um, is is not a US-based company. They, they don't operate in the US, my understanding. And um, if their rival is Coinbase, well, Robinhood and Coinbase are a bit on a collision course here, right? Yeah. Uh, Coinbase does not trade stocks, but Robinhood, of course, does crypto. Uh, so, and I, I'm still a, a Coinbase. I was an angel and I still uh, own my shares. So, according to this SEC filing, Emergent Fidelity Technologies, which is his company that he's the sole director and majority owner of. I took a stake worth 648 million. What this is, is uh, as we did the other day, um, this is just a really opportunistic buy is my take on it by somebody who's in the know. We did a little take the other day. What is the market cap of the company minus the cash in the bank, which gives you true enterprise value? If the true enterprise value seems insanely low after you net out their cash because the cash could buy that equivalent of stock, if you just think of it that way people are bargain hunting hunting and what did i say last week people were asked for earlier in the week i should say god this is a long week i said we're bouncing along the bottom this is the ball bouncing along the bottom it will come to a rolling stop at some point and everybody will stop losing their minds we'll we'll, we'll create a floor i guess as they say in the markets and um it seems like you know today we got the bounce we have people like uh, uh dara bought five million worth of uber that's another one of these opportunistic buys like this one um i think toby bought some shopify i saw that um uh the guy who does iheart media bob Pittman, bought some shares of his own company Mm. Uh, he's the ceo of it so when you start seeing that uh you you know the people who are insiders or who are very sophisticated realize there's an opportunity here and they might have some cash laying around Uh, also daniel i think bought 50 million in spotify yeah so Mm -hmm. people can criticize these buys um but you know, as like, oh, they're trying to pump up the stock. It's a pretty cynical look, but okay, sure, uh, you can have the cynical take on it. Uh, my take on it is, money's money. If you're placing that bet, sure, you're making a signal, but it's still money, and you're still making that bet. So if, yeah. if it's a seven-figure bet, it's a seven-figure bet. And a, or and this an is eight a eight-figure bet. A, in, in this case, case, it's a nine nine nine, nine-figure nine bet, bet. Yeah, a lot of figures. So the, a lot of figures here. Um, Robin Hood hit an all-time low of eight fifty-six, seventy-seven percent from its IPO price, and I don't know where the high watermark was, but it became like a meme stock for a hot minute, like where it went mm-hmm. to 50 or 60. That was just like one, that was a really weird day, uh, to yeah. be totally honest. it should never have done that, these weird pops. Um, but yeah, I think he um, is just making an opportunistic buy. That would be my take on it. And you, I think you'll see a lot of these opportunistic buys when things are worse you know the enterprise value makes no sense and, and I, I don't right. know what robin hood's exact cash position is now and their exact market cap because it's obviously going up and down 20 percent over the same week <laughs> minute by minute uh, but yeah. it, it was it was five billion in cash or something to that effect oh 6.2 yeah. billion so robin has 6.2 billion um and and now uh, it's his worth current worth is dollars. nine billion after the pump so i mean is the company worth $3 billion? And yesterday, it was worth $7 billion before the bump. So if you take out the $6 billion, it was worth $1.2 with whatever it was. I think they hit a high watermark of 21 million active accounts. Maybe they're at 18 now. Because people yep. have, you know, are not opening their accounts. I don't blame them. If, if, if your account's that down, a lot of people don't open their accounts.
0: It kind of looks like SBF has, a bit, which apparently he goes by, SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, has been like interested in Robinhood for a while way back in 2021 mm-hmm. in June yeah. he pr- he talked about how the name is so awesome it's easy to parse and remember. Uh, he goes four years ago someone told me once that Robinhood was a zero fee retail stock trading app. I never forgot that. So mm-hmm. 100% opportunistic and in our last 20 seconds a way to probably get a, even a bigger foothold in the U.S. market.
1: Sure. Is he the weirdo who like dresses like he's like uh, living on the beach in Kauai and doesn't Man. have a home? they're all weirdos to me he, and he's but got yes, like crazy hair and like yeah he's that guy um <laughs> yeah this guy's a little bit iconoclastic uh and uh it's working <laughs> it works for me I, I i like a guy who looks like he li- lives in a tent in Kauai and is worth a couple billion. <laughs> i like it <laughs> i got no beef I, with that i got no beef with that all right story if, number I didn't two. Have a fa- if i didn't have a family i would literally love to literally sell every asset i have get a tent put everything in storage all the Tesla's in storage just or given on away the beach. and just live on a beach in Kauai and just be that guy who's like, goes and buys a shaved ice and gives a $100 tip every shave. time. It's
0: a shave. You can't call it a shaved ice or they won't let a you shave. live in Hawaii. Shave. Yeah. All right. Topic shave. number two. Okay. We did bang. it. We're, we're close. We're close. Ooh. Soft bank. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Ah, Talk about bumping along the bottom. Soft bank lost over $13 billion. In its most recent fiscal year, the largest loss in its history and will cut back investments. A lot of Silicon Valley companies are going to start starving now. SoftBank Mm -hmm. will cut back investments by 50 to 75% going forward. This is, of course, after raising the largest venture fund in history, Vision Fund 1, which was $100 billion. They raised $50 billion for Vision Fund 2. Which is currently being deployed in that fund. Uh, you know, they even started to run into trouble raising because that fund includes $30 billion of SoftBank's own capital.
1: Mm, got it. Yeah. Add to $13 billion. I have a question for you, Adam. Ooh.
0: <laughs> smart Ooh, man or crazy man? Smart man or crazy man? <laughs> Adam claims, by the way, that his response was, was smart man
1: and then See, then smart man, masa was like massa. No. smart men always win masa <laughs> and masa was no. like no adam son no <laughs> crazy man
0: wins i call you 2 a.m getting canceled
1: You're not even wait until wins.
0: next week to get canceled you're just gonna
1: do it now i know um, i can do a japanese accent i think that's allowed i think so i, I think don't know so i'm doing a moss impersonation not a i think i'm allowed i, I don't there's We're We're going to find out. We're going to find out. I could do a a Masa accent. If I could do an Adam accent, I could do a Masa. (laughs) My Northern
0: California 15-year-old is like,
1: no. Um, I think I should do a dramatic rereading of the script where I play both Masa and Adam (laughs) on the next Inside Stream. I mean, I would listen to the (laughs) hell out of that. I'm just saying. And then I should have like Elizabeth (laughs) Holmes come. And you can (laughs) just play Elizabeth Holmes and we could just have the three of them talking. (laughs) I'm
0: just... <laughs> I mean honestly, I cannot wait to be Elizabeth Holmes for Halloween. So let's talk about uh, let's go through some notable SoftBank investments because ouch. Okay. Lemonade down the insurance uh, easy yeah. insurance company down 50% year to date. Okay. We were down Not so
1: bad considering everybody else I mean, down. Really, 80. right? Could be yeah. 80.
0: Uh, Mm -hmm. We work, of course, down 30% year to date, but that's after that, like, 50, uh, 30-something billion dollar markdown. Uh, Yep. They originally invested at $40 billion. Coupang, a South Korean e-commerce company, down 55%. Zymergen, down 75%. The synthetic Mm -hmm. biology. I had high hopes for that, but ouch. Uh, Uber, as we know, down 44%. And Compass, the real estate uh, company, down 45%. Masa's own net worth has dropped $25 billion due to SoftBank's drop two-thirds of his total net
1: worth all right listen this masa is the guy who's been through this literally more than anybody he was the richest man on the planet for a period of time this Mm -hmm. is for him this is normal so these big swings for everybody else is like oh my god you know like literally people are uh i mean sadly i mean uh, there's reports of people uh talking about suicide on reddits and if you are and you're a young person or an old person and and you lost your fortune and you made a stupid bet there is no reason to to kill yourself go find help go talk to somebody um this too shall pass you can build up your chip stack you'll be better for it you'll learn hard lessons you're loved do not make a, a, an irreversible decision based on a very reversible situation. Yeah. One of the great things that can happen to you in your life is to get your ass kicked and then come back and kick ass. Just think about how glorious it would be for you to lose everything in your Luna or a stock or whatever it is, and then come back and be triumphant. Put your faith in that story. Y- yes. You are not defined by your worst decision. Okay. There's my BSA. Don't kill lost yourself.
0: 99% of his net worth in the dot com bust. Yes. Yes. He, and he and went went back, like he's literally totally lost everything. Yes. Many times. Work. And, you know, yes, he's lost two thirds of his net worth, and his net worth is still measured in the bees.
1: Yes. It, this Billions. is what no he He can handle the swings. And you know what? There is something to be said for people who are bold enough to put their chips in the pot and to have a little variance. Mm-hmm. Now, Uh, my piece of advice for folks is you know always pay for your home if you have gains put money in your kids 529 don't touch it have a nest egg have a floor have a foundation i did that in my life that's why you see me out here so happy that's why you see me playing as if i have a bunch of rings like steph curry or draymond because i do and Mm -hmm. there's no way for me with the exception of my you know if i if i if i had an untimely death, i'm going to enjoy the hell out of it so i think moss is in the same camp he makes the big swings he goes for it he's bold And he'll be fine. Uh, And so, my hot take on this is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever. He's just going to get back to work, find something great and crush it again. And we need people like him out there making big, bold bets. Do they seem crazy to us? Sure. Um, But he's playing a different game than y'all. He's playing a totally different game. And if you look at the course of history, the guy has put up numbers and he has created and helped create some of the great companies of all time. Criticize it if you want, but he's winning. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors, and our crowd is an investment platform that analyzes many of these companies across the global private market. Then they select startups with the greatest growth potential and bring them to you. From personalized medicine, to cybersecurity, to robotics and quantum computing, and so much more. In state-of-the-art labs, startup garages, and anywhere in between, our Crowd identifies innovators so you can invest when growth potential is greatest, and that's early. Our Crowd accredited investors have already invested over $1 billion in growing tech companies, and many of their members have benefited from their 46 IPOs or exits. You can go there, you can read those deal memos, invest early, and you can truly diversify your portfolio by investing early in innovative private market companies at Our Crowd. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community by going to rcrowd.com slash twist. That's O-U-R-C-R-O-W-D dot com slash twist. That's O-U-R-C-R-O-W-D dot com slash twist. All right. Topic number three, <laughs> Woo, Twitter. Twitter
0: making some interesting uh, management choices considering the state of uncertainty that it's in right yeah. now. The company has announced a hiring freeze and head okay. of product, Kayvon Bigpore. Mm was fired while on paternity leave. Okay. It's uh, a good headline, but... clearly mad enough that he tweeted about it. So he was on... Kayvon Bakepore, uh, for context, was on episode 1225 of Twist last year. He is yes. actually known to be one of the people who jump-started Twitter's product, Velocity, which, as we know, was non-existent for a long yes. time. His team helped ship spaces, super follows, Twitter mm-hmm. blue, fleets, mm-hmm. RIP fleets, communities... Sure. All of that. Uh, yesterday, yeah. he tweeted the following thread and let people know that he was yeah. fired directly by CEO Parag Agrawal. He said, "Interrupting well, my paternity leave to share some final Twitter-related news. I'm leaving the company after seven years. It was not my decision." Okay.
1: All right. Listen, it, <laughs> I think number one, um, as I as I told him, and uh, you know, I I think there it has been very. It is a very hard position to have. You're not the CEO. You're responsible for the product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got a, a board that is sending mixed signals you know you should be growing you should be cleaning up the bots. you should not be cleaning up the bots. you know uh, there, there's a this is like you're getting pulled in all directions this is like you're the chef at a restaurant and there's four owners and one of them wants it to be like you know high turnover fast casual and the other one wants it to be fine dining and you're just yeah. like I, I can do what you want just give me a direction here you know and, and then somebody's coming in the back and saying yeah but i want it to be vegan See. <laughs> you you get him pulled in all different directions he does not have an easy job i will say their shipping of spaces uh was done very fast uh in response to competitors and um twitter blue they got it out there it wasn't it didn't hit the right notes it didn't provide enough value but i think he knows the value it needs to provide and there were just too many cooks in the kitchen twitter blue was the perfect example of like somebody had a big vision and they're like yeah you can't do those three things because those are sacred cows but what else you got? And they're like, well, here's like the next six ideas. I'm like, yeah, throw those six ideas at." And it's like, you really need to do the number one idea. Yeah. And the number two idea. And so now you're just, you took the stars of the show out and it's just not going to work. So a really hard job now to the point of like, while on paternity. Okay. If your paternity happened to be during the moment in time when a company is being sold and there's a, an epic downturn in the market, bad there's timing. a caveat here, you know, it's yeah. just bad timing. It's that's not the CEO's fault. It's not, the product manager is nobody's fault. So it's a great one for the press to like, you know, put in there as a dunk or for, you know, people to virtue signal. How could you do that? Well, if he's going to be out, what if he's on paternity for six months? This company is. There's stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, we're in the thick of it here. And in fact, I I mean, I don't, I listen, let me tell you something. Also, if you are on paternity in the middle of this, I'm a dad. I, I think I would be like, you know what? I need to be back at work for a couple of days a week, at least to figure out what's going on that would be my decision i wouldn't blow out yeah. on paternity for three months in the middle of this i would talk to my spouse or a partner if i had one and said i, I think i need to be in the office two days or a week while this is going on and maybe he was who knows but yeah. this whole paternity thing l- let's just put all that aside and what's the reality here Th- they need to make a lot of quick decisions here and and maybe well that's they my question is consolidate like- who's in charge maybe the ceo wants maybe parag wants to make these decisions and, yeah, and isn't Perron
0: going to be gone? Like my question actually fundamentally well, you don't is know. not about pl- attorney leave at all. It's like, if you think you're, it, I guess the question is sort of like, how do you react when you think you are about to be purchased and that you yourself, CEO are gone? Do you make a bunch of changes or do you just like shut everything down and freeze it? I mean, they froze product releases. Like, I just
3: think it's a really interesting time to know, be like booting your yes. leadership.
1: We, we don't know all the facts here. This is like one of those perfect situations where, there could be three or four really important facts and we're looking at this chessboard saying why did you move the why did right. you move the queen here and it's like right and we literally are seeing 10 percent of the chessboard so imagine mm-hmm. all you saw was the queen exposed but you didn't see you know that when you move the queen it exposed checkmate right 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 you know like there's yeah. a, this concept of like um you can have a, a checkmate occur because you moved a piece out of the way you, know, you move up you, you give up a pawn but it creates checkmate and the person can't move you know whatever. Uh, or it creates a check. So um this yeah. is that kind of situation. So I would encourage everybody, when you see something like this happen, and you can't figure it out, and you're like, during paternity, and like, that's the headline, mm-hmm. understand, we know nothing. There could be that the person wasn't getting the job done or missed deliverables. It could be mm-hmm. that the CEO um, wants to um cut 50, I don't know, a third of the expenses, right? And they're consolidating the team down. And right. maybe Kayvon doesn't want to do that, right? So he said, I don't want to make cuts to my team. We saw this with the Apple person who said, like, I- yeah. well, I'm going to be remote. And they challenged him on it. And they said, okay, well, you can quit. So yeah. sometimes there's a standoff like that. Again, we don't have the information. We so I no would idea. encourage people to understand. Barag is in a difficult decision, is this a, a really difficult decision a situation. And Kayvon's in a very difficult situation. And we see but 10% of the chessboard. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but I wish Amazing. him well, and that's a good get for somebody. By the way, somebody hire him. Good get. That is a good get. Absolutely. Listen, lots of founders are loosey goosey with their personal phone numbers. You know about this problem. People start putting their personal mobile phone in documents, proposals, and it makes things super messy. If you're running your own company, you need to be professional. And Open Phone helps you create a business phone number, and it's really easy. How easy is Open Phone? You install an app, and you're done. You pick your number, you're done. And you can create a shared phone number. How great is that? You know how you have like an email for customer support? You do VIP at? Now you can have that for a phone number where multiple employees can feel calls and texts, including those texts, super important. Because that's how a lot of business happens. A lot of these young folks, they don't want to talk on the phone. They want to text. Well, open phone can help you with that as well. And it's affordable already. It's just 10 bucks a month. I mean, it's so affordable, it's ridiculous. I think they should triple their prices. I think I would pay 30 bucks a month for this, but they charge 10. Twist listeners can get an extra 20% off that for any plan for your first six months. That's even ridiculously generous. I mean, that puts it down to $8 a month. You're kidding me. You need to do it for yourself as an executive or a salesperson, openphonecom slash twist. And if you have an existing phone number with another service that's overcharging you, or that doesn't have this incredible feature set, they'll put it over for you. If you're thinking about phone numbers, I just want you to think openphone.com/twist. That easy, folks.
0: Speaking of Twitter, uh-huh. okay, uh, there's a reason we save this for last because again, we, we don't know, but fascinating. Um, yesterday, Elon Musk tweeted that the deal was temporarily on hold pending oh, really? determination mm-hmm. of how many actual fake users there were. Uh, mm-hmm. The company estimated that under five percent of users were fake accounts. Elon, mm-hmm. of course, has previously said one of his main goals was getting rid of the fake and bot accounts. Uh, it sounded like he was waiting for Twitter to provide more robust data about the scale yep. of the sure. fake accounts. And then uh, tweeted quite soon after, still committed to acquisition. Sure. Um, Sounds good. But then, of course, <laughs> then everybody was like, ah! Is, I'm yeah. My sum up of the response to that was that. That's what happened, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's a dynamic
1: situation. Uh, I yes. Mean,
0: it's a very dynamic situation. I mean, can we even talk about this at this point? I'm just going to be honest with you and tell, see, and tell you that I was like, no CNBC, I cannot come up right like I, I don't yep. know even really like we're in a weird, we're in a weird comment. spot here. We can't comment. We can't comment. We can't, we comment. can't comment. That's it. No comments. I think that's the uh, best
1: possible pretty, <laughs> course. pretty, pretty simple course yeah, of action point. here, which is we knew <laughs> this day would come and is, huh. uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, there's a cool. deal and it looks like the, so uh, those you know, the happened. there's well, it's, you know, all these deals are a process uh, yes. and during this process, the market has crashed uh and you know diligence occurs and so you know it's yep. uh i i uh we i, never I wish elon well in it and, and i hope it happens i i really hope it happens and yeah diligence is important um so twitter currently has 229 million multi-active users uh five percent i guess is what they said in terms of it's under five percent five percent uh times 200 is 10 million five percent times the 30 million is another uh Five percent point five. So that would give you eleven point five million bots. Eleven point five million fake accounts or bots. And so the questions I have about all that is like if you have if you're Mollywood and you have six accounts, mm-hmm. um, and one is your mollywood account, and what are the other five? Are they real accounts where you're really, you know, so they're I guess de- defining fake and bot accounts is gonna be important here. I would be very surprised, you know, and and I'm guessing they net out automated accounts or fake accounts, but who knows, you know, I, I don't know that this data, uh, you know, we, we, again, back to like, what do we know? What do we don't know? Mm-hmm. Companies put out data. How would anybody know how they came to that? Right. So it's not like these definitions are there. Um, and what are the, let's, look, maybe it's useful here to look at like Facebook.
0: Cause Facebook, well, Facebook has a I'm real, trying to find, Facebook has this real problem and they sort of keep
1: but they have a real names policy so it's oh, they, they do, don't allow they still automated accounts. fake accounts a ton and on a on a number basis but on a percentage basis very small right so it I might be a so. ton of yeah because you know it's very easy for them with the social graph
0: facebook quietly admits to nearly as many fake or clone accounts as the us population okay was one headline in 2017 and they're they're sort of that sort of keeps Happening March 22nd, 2021. Facebook says it took down 1.3 billion fake accounts in October or December. uh, Admits to having up to 270 million fake accounts. I just think it's sort of like it's probably a bigger problem than anybody really wants to admit.
1: I think it's not entirely
0: the point either. I I bet you Facebook
1: is really proactive in killing them in real time, right? Because you do have these like companies, uh, typically like in India. Uh, where they have like banks of folks who you can pay to create tons of accounts like they have phones with vpns so you just pay them and they'll make you a thousand accounts on instagram a thousand yeah. accounts on this and then they'll get you thirty thousand followers on instagram and um it's it's, it's, a, it's a it's a it's an information business basically they'll also yeah. get you reviews i know this because when i was on the board of a lot of companies inevitably they would come to me and say hey you know we we can boost ourselves in the rankings in the app store by hiring this company based in india you know uh, manila was the other big place for these boiler rooms and you know they're english speaking mm-hmm. and they have all these android phones they've i mean i and i've seen pictures of them you can google it oh yeah social and farms like they're is their social farms they're yeah and they will they're, they're pretty sophisticated um except when it comes to the naming of the accounts which is generally nice. like a really like <laughs> crazy americana name like john jones or susan smith and then a random number sequence yep and then totally. no photo or a weird photo of a piece of fruit or a sunset and you're just like okay uh, we need to work on that but uh, yes <laughs> you know, you look at your followers I, this, this happens to me because whenever you're a verified account or you have like the name at jason you will uh um, right. all of a sudden one day see three thousand followers and you're like What? I get 500 a day. Why do I get 300? I get 50 a day. Why did I get 500? When you see those spikes, if you go to your followers, you'll just see them. And then you click on five of them and you go look at them. Oh, we did this actually. Remember when all the, um, we did it. Republicans got those followers and I was like, Mm -hmm. I think this is a bot attack as well as whatever. And it was in fact a bot attack. (laughs) All of those people were like brand new accounts, uh, or like no, uh, image, right? They didn't put their image on. So totally. Although I were, think back
0: to yeah. our no comment part back to no comment. of this, no comment. I definitely don't think the fake accounts are actually even the story here. Uh, breaking news as we go yeah. to the last part of our show, Snoop Dogg has announced uh, that he may have to buy Twitter now. So it's got oh, okay. a nice long, uh, nice long tweet storm about that. So
1: I'm uh, just saying it's a multiple bidder situation. People, I, I'm, I am trying to buy the assets to pass.com. I literally tried like three times i just thought it was such a great name path.com I know, it's so good and i was like i told dave morin like can i i asked him if i could buy it he's like yeah sure go for it um because i didn't, I didn't want to buy it and not uh you know cause we're friendly and fr- i consider as friends and i was just like if i tried to buy that would you be okay with it he's like they're not gonna buy it, let me sell it. and i guess some korean firm i think had bought it so hmm. if the folks who own path.com uh want to reach out to me i would give them some equity in it i would back it and I think it would be cool to have like a, a path. It's path is a little bit more like an Instagram ish yeah. kind of thing, but I always yeah. loved the simplicity and the cleanness of it. And it's it, it really did start to work. And I think it would be worth paying for um, as a, as a service. So um, call us, call us path.com owners.
0: And also right. a great domain name. It's a great do- domain name and great design on that. Yes. Product. Yes. Yep. All right. I think we mostly did it. We even sneaked in a fifth story in we four did. for Friday. All right, enough of four and a half for Friday. It is time for everybody's favorite Friday. 4.5 Fridays. 4.5 for Fridays. We just like a little fractional investing around here. Yeah. Okay, Boomer. Round With up. everybody's favorite producer, Rachel. Nicole Ruiz is who she's talking to today, an investor at Compound VC, a thesis-driven, mm. research-centric investment firm. Quants are back. The kids are doing quants yeah. these days.
3: Yeah. Nicole is extremely smart, but she had to explain everything to me like she was explaining it to a five-year-old because Compound VC is incredibly awesome. Um, but they do invest in things like med tech. So I, don't, I don't know a ton happening um, in medtech. The coolest thing that she explained to me was their investment in pair bio, um, which monitors cancer progression. And they're doing really awesome stuff. She had a really untraditional path into going into venture capital, where I'm starting to realize that there is no traditional path, I guess, going into venture capital Hers is extra special. Um, overall, I think it's going to be a really cool episode for people that are interested in alternative investing, especially those that just aren't interested in that CPG space. I see a lot of Gen Zs that are interested in investing, gravitating towards like consumer social, CPG things like that, like more of the sexy industries. And she is really focusing in on a little bit more on traditional things, deep tech infrastructure. So really cool.
0: I love awesome. to see that you'd love to see yeah. like, especially if we're, you know, if we're just leaning into the trope here, you'd love to see the idea that a Gen Z investor, or a millennial investor is like, I'm still very hardcore. I may be young, but turns out we're just as smart.
1: Hiring software engineers can take a really long time, don't I know it? Sometimes it takes months, but Gun.io is going to change that for you right now. They're a developer hiring platform. They're super focused, and here's what makes them different. Their candidates are expertly vetted, and then they're matched to your company by a team of senior engineers, not by an algorithm or just a recruiter. Gun.io developers have eight plus years of experience building products, and they're comfortable working directly with founders and executive teams. They're going to get you candidates as quickly as 48 hours. Think about that. And the average time to hire is only two weeks. 90% of the candidates are US based. And they have a network of vetted international candidates as well. If you're looking to hire from other markets, there are two ways you can use gun.io. Number one, you could work with a freelancer and enjoy gun.io's ongoing support services. They'll handle the billing and swap out talent for free at any time. Or you can hire a remote developer directly from the gun.io network for half the typical recruiter's fee. So here's your call to action. Gun.io is the easiest way for startups to find and hire world class developers. And you're going to get $250 off your first hire at gun.io slash TWIST.
3: I saw this tweet the other day, and it might have been from like Lex Friedman or somebody like that, where it was saying like, oh, do you see like the importance of or the how scary it is more so that you're seeing so many young people really wanting to be things like influencers or tiktokers or youtubers when they grow up. Whereas like just mm. a few years ago, you know, you had kids being like, I want to be a scientist. I want to be an astronaut. And just like the mm. detrimental like, effects that could have. I think she's like a great person to have as a role model, especially for young women that are interested yeah, it's a in nice investing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. I mean, so. there's, there's the a, a lot ins, of trends. Though. There's a lot of trends going on here at once. You know, we're, we're starting to see a lot of diversity uh, in the investment class. We're starting to see a lot more women, uh, people mm-hmm. of color, and we're seeing a lot more young people, right? And so I think that's great that the people who are writing the checks uh, are younger and more diverse. They're going to see things that maybe the people who, you know, 10, 20 years ago were, you know, a bit of a monoculture in venture uh, is now cracked open. And that means more entrepreneurs uh, are going to get funded, uh, maybe who didn't fit a so- certain mold that that monoculture had had previous success with, because once mm-hmm. you have success betting on things, you become uh you have a little bit of survivorship bias, confirmation biases, all these biases. We talk about mental models and in venture, and you know I, I always try to fight against those. But you know if you if you had uh, a success in consumer apps like Uber and Robinhood and Com, all of a sudden you're just like ooh consumer apps, you know, and then oh you know stacks had a bunch of SaaS wins, and you know Friedberg had a bunch of science wins. It's very natural for you to pursue the things you're good at, the things you've had success in. Now, that could be in a topic, and it could be on a the theme of the company. It could also be, people don't want to say it, it could be in a certain archetype. Somebody who went mm-hmm. to Stanford, somebody who went to Stanford for a science degree, somebody who went for an MBA, somebody who's tall, somebody who's a male, somebody who had this pedigree. A- and, you know, yeah. I- people don't like to admit that they have biases, and in some cases, they don't know they have it. So, this is just, the, the great result of the last 10 years uh, of the change in venture capital, which I, it's just yeah. really nice to see. I think it's a great win great. for for the industry um, that there's more diversity and younger people doing it. Uh, and it's easier and easier to get into venture. The, the numbers in venture are going to be uh, and, and entrepreneurship on a gender basis are going to change radically. Because if you look at college right now, uh, the statistics for men going to college and for graduate degrees is plummeting it's 60 or 70 percent in some uh areas including like science and things that maybe people were like oh yeah that's traditionally you know male dominated um the the uh, graduate degrees are uh and men in college is it's it's gonna be 60 40 65 35 female to male what is that going to look like in 10 years uh that's going to be really uh interesting so we're going to have the pendulum swing the other way i don't know why these guys are not going to college and for graduate degrees and they're playing too many video games and trading too many (laughs) nfts
3: (laughs) yeah they're trying to become TikTokers or something but it's really cool being like a young person interested in the tech space and the investing space um during Mm -hmm. like this entire movement where i feel like i have so many awesome people that i can look up to whereas like if i was really interested even just a few years ago maybe like five ten years ago i don't necessarily know if like the landscape would be the same right now the shift is happening so very very thankful
0: yeah. Also, I love uh, anybody's Twitter bio like Nicole Reeses who where her uh, cover photo is uh, Britney Spears guide to semiconductor physics. This is going to be a great yeah. interview.
1: She, she is incredible. Go.
3: Yeah. Enjoy
1: everybody. Have a good Enjoy one. everybody. Thanks. Nice to sit down, Rachel. Rachel report. Nice. Thanks, get. Okay, okay boomer.
3: Okay, boomer. I understood
4: the assignment.
3: Thank you so much for joining me today, Nicole. Um this is very very cool for me. I've been following you on Twitter for a while now. For those of you who don't know, Nicole is an investor at Compound VC. She's pretty popular on Twitter. Super smart. Thank you so much for joining.
4: Of course. Yeah, excited to chat.
3: So can you explain a little
4: bit what Compound VC is? Totally. Yeah, so we are a firm that's focused on the pre-seed and seed stage of companies. So typically in pre-incorporation sometimes to, I don't know, around two or three years into operation. We are focused on Frontier Tech specifically. So, Frontier Tech means a lot of things to a lot of people. We say the common denominators of these companies are machine learning, robotics and automation, digital health, biotech, synthetic bio, decentralized computing, next gen computing, DeFi, crypto, all that good stuff. Plenty of things outside of those categories, but uh, we're super thesis driven as a firm. So, we take a lot of time to read white papers, dig into technical communities around these industries more broadly, and basically develop a view on what a core technical inflection point is that's coming up and why a new company that's built there would be built off of that new technology. Um and so that's us. We're on our fourth fund. We've been around for a little bit over then over a decade now. And wow. I joined about two years ago. That is very,
3: very cool. You got your job in Venture in kind of a unique way. Can you walk us through
4: how you were able to how to land this very, very sick gig? Totally, yeah. So I guess I'll I'll add some of the context that I had an atypical background in general. I didn't have a college degree. I tried college. I tried community college. I did Lambda school for a little while and jumped and dropped out. I did MOOCs online. So uh, all sorts of types of education. And then obviously, uh, sort of more self-taught as well. Um, But I lived in DC at the time. I moved up to New York recently and was interested in the tech community. It's very interested in machine learning, especially machine learning applied to healthcare and a lot of these uh, newer areas of research. And so, uh, sort of realized that a lot of people got their jobs by you know not just having a college degree, not just like applying through a job portal, and started sort of going to professional meetups all the time in DC. There's a lot of things to attend. There's a lot of things you can sneak into for free, and so <laughs> I would do that and sort of just ask people like, "Hey, how would you get your job? What do you do? You know, what's the day to day look like?" Uh, and then more specifically started putting a ton of white papers on Twitter. I found, you know, white papers for the industry, super interesting. And then I also found that like academic people are super willing to answer your questions. And so, you know, it's almost the better version of what LinkedIn should be, which is like a lot of researchers posting what they've been working on. And they're super happy to answer any questions about like what their research means. And so that was super exciting and started doing that more and more. And then uh, Michael Dempsey, who's a GP at Compound, who I'd been mutuals with him on Twitter. Um, I was job hunting at the moment. And I guess he has said that he was just sort of intrigued by all the weird sort of machine learning related stuff I was posting. And so he reached out and said, hey, we should have a chat about venture. Uh, Are you interested in the industry? I didn't know a ton of things about the industry at the moment, but um, I knew I liked Mike's writing and the approach of the firm broadly. So we chatted and sort of learned, learned more about Compound's focus and the, the thesis-drivenness of it, which I love, and uh, the rest is history. It's awesome. I guess there isn't really a traditional path into venture
3: anymore, because every time I talk to somebody, I feel like it's radically different, um, including, including the way that you found your job. And similarly, I guess, to your boss with how he discovered you post-machine um, um, learning, I think one of the first tweets that I saw from you was in the quantum space. And um, definitely in the healthcare space, if it wasn't just in the quantum space, I would love to hear your thoughts a little bit about machine learning powered healthcare, because your content on that is really interesting.
4: Totally. Yeah. I'll start out with what first got me interested in the industry, and then I can expand what's interesting now. Um, so originally in 2017, uh, again, was super interested in ML, reading all these white papers that were published online. Google Research published this paper on federated learning, which is... Uh, a type of machine learning where you're basically storing models, you're training models locally. And so if you have an iPhone or uh, a Google phone, like both of your keyboards will use this technology, which is basically not sending every bit of a conversation that you send to the cloud. So your information isn't stored in Google services or Apple servers. They train models locally to predict text, right? Predict what you're going to say next in the conversation and then only send the high level takeaway to the cloud. So I found that super interesting because... Healthcare broadly um, has a ton of interesting applications of just basically studying data at a larger scale to make predictions, to do diagnostics better. Um, But there's a number of regulations around the category. HIPAA is one of them, and those are rules about where your personal data can be sent, and that makes machine learning a lot more complicated. Plenty Plenty of those rules exist for good reasons, but there's also plenty that can be done safely. In the near term, uh, with that data, and one of one of those things is using federated learning to make predictions off of your healthcare data about whether or not you know some circumstantial data you have around your your own body and your own markers that might mean you're at risk for kidney cancer. Maybe you should go get check that go get that checked out. Um, and so, privacy preserving machine learning is super interesting, um, and that was what originally interested me in this space. But more broadly. There's so much being done right now. Genetic testing is a huge one. People who have outlying conditions like uh, treatment resistant depression, for example, or other things like that, um, there are often genetic markers that can tell us a little bit more about why uh, an SSRI that a person is prescribed doesn't work for them, why it might cause a really bad experience. And rather than going into that uh, prescription more randomly, you can mm-hmm. begin to take their genetic data as a person you know, submits their data to this company. Yeah. Uh, and understand how to make better predictions off of things like SSRIs or even birth control or things like skincare as well. Um, so that's another area I've been down that's, the rabbit hole on recently. That's so
3: interesting. It's funny because I think mental health is one of those like sectors of medicine where it's so trial and error for like lack of a better term. Um, yeah. but it feels so trial and error that you would think there is a better like a better solution. So if there's all these laws like around HIPAA, right? How are these companies actually able to collect data? Is this like all volunteer, like volunteers that have to like give up their data to them or?
4: Yeah. So is this with, um? so the cool thing about federated learning is that with HIPAA there, most of the time you're actually totally fine because, because that specific personal data is staying on the device that you collected on. The company isn't collecting it. They're collecting a high level sort of like, meta-level analysis of how a model should change. And they're mm-hmm. not saying, for example, uh, to switch away from healthcare data, if you were sending your social security number to somebody over text, that number never gets stored in like Google servers, in which yeah. case, you know, you're, you're avoiding that, uh, that thing. With some of the companies we've seen on genetic testing and more broadly personalized healthcare, sometimes they do have to go through HIPAA approvals. Sometimes it's perfectly fine and a patient will, will uh, you know, go onto the site, upload their data, and say, you know, I trust you as a company. You've demonstrated that you're not going to sell this to anybody. You're not going to, you know, prescribe ads to me based off of this. And then that's, you know, another way to approach that problem. Totally. That makes sense. Uh, I am a little
3: afraid, though, I have to say about anything in the medical space and venture capital. Like, how do you know that
4: you're not being (laughs) theranos I mean, technical diligence is definitely important. Um, Yeah, you don't want to be theranos we We have a great bio researcher on our team who definitely helps us with that. I think learning how to read white papers is super important on that front, right? Because if you hear from another VC that it sounds great, but you don't actually dig into the technical side of things, we think that puts you at a disadvantage. And so Mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely part of why we operate the way we do, which is like being able to read white papers and begin to understand them. Again, you're never going to be as deep as somebody in the industry. And that's why we also talk to people about their research or talk to academics, et cetera, to help us uh, learn these things. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely dig into the research.
3: Because it's not like consumer where you'd actually be the one that's using the product. Um, The Theranos came up in my brain when I was checking out one of your guys's investments, A Parabio. It seemed pretty cool. It monitors cancer progression of patient-derived tumor samples against potential treatment options. Their organ-on-a-chip technology recreates core parts of the human tumor microenvironment for accurate testing. That's freaking awesome. Um, obviously, I was just reading this off of like their website, but that seems incredible. Yeah. But again, like I said, the first thing that comes to mind, I'm like, wait, is this like real? Like, Is this actually working? So is yeah. this company fully-fledged doing this right now?
4: Yeah, so I can give a, a high-level description of what, what all those things mean and then, and then tell you a little bit more about how they're doing it. So basically, they're using something called oriental chip. sounds crazy, but really all it is is like a Petri dish that's fully enclosed. You have holes on each side so you can understand how different fluids are moving through that chamber. That's important because like in your body, cells are typically surrounded by fluid and understanding how those two things work together gives you a better idea of the environment that a tumor, for example, is existing in. Mm -hmm. And so you then take a slice of a tumor from a sample from a patient. A patient submits that to the hospital, the hospital then sends that to Parabio. PairBio then uh, tests a number of different chemotherapies across all of these samples. They use computer vision to understand the progression of tumors over time. Maybe certain movements are indicative of the chemo actually causing it to metastasize, in which case that would not be a good that would not be something that you want to prescribe to a patient. And so helps them gather data, helps them understand uh, what chemos that they can prescribe to a patient. They had done some initial trials, they're going through another clinical trial right now. So you want to get plenty of patient data before you make sure it's safe and that it works well and that um, the models are predicting everything accurately. But again, it's it's just a way of getting more complex data around these things before you have to uh, try them on a patient and specifically yeah. pair does it incredibly quickly in less than a week. And so if you wow. have high growth cancer, that's, an incredible differentiation to be able to have, to be able to have that data across a number of different samples and then say, okay, we've actually seen how this will interact with the tumor itself. Here's what you should try. That
3: is so freaking cool. So as you are explaining all of these things, I can't help but wonder why don't you think there are a lot of young investors operating in this like infrastructure space?
4: Yeah. I think um, I think broadly there's a few things. I think one is that we need more, more sort of research-driven firms. I think Mm-hmm. The more you're able to engage with primary sources, it helps you uh, sort of form your own opinions about what's going on in the space. I think a lot of people are nervous to engage with white papers. They're so dense and maybe don't have a background yeah. in the field of the thing that you're looking at. But really, if you already don't know something, what is the worst that can happen as you begin to try and learn those patterns read them yourself? So you're never going to understand everything, but it helps you sort of pull in experts, find other people to talk to. You can ask them, okay, am I understanding this space correctly? And so I think it's easier to, to maybe look at things that a lot of other people are looking at. And that's not bad. But I think it's definitely exciting as we see more people get comfortable with engaging with newer research and developing non-consensus opinions around those things because the whole thing that venture capital is best at is putting money into very, you know, non-consensus bets that could have massive, massive payoffs, even though they're maybe really crazy research. And so yeah, definitely excited to see more people enter enter the space.
3: Yeah, I definitely hope to see more people go into this. I feel like I even on this show, to be honest, with really, we've had a lot of people that are VCs on, um, especially on my segment, but they have been investing in things like consumer social, SaaS, um, not necessarily things that are quite literally helping cure cancer or at least detect cancer at like a much earlier rate. I also noticed that on Twitter when I like violently stalked you before the show, you're really into philosophy. And I find that a lot of really good investors are really into philosophy. How has having that as like a passion or something that at least you seem to be pretty well versed on, um, impacted you as an investor?
4: Yeah. I think, oh man, a few different ways. Honestly, I've always been interested in. Philosophy and tech, which is maybe a little trite to say at this point. Uh, obviously, machine learning and AI communities have gone through this whole like ethical reconciliation moment, where everybody's like, "How do we do this better? How do we create rules about using these things better?" But I think it—I I think it's just another tool in your toolbox of how to think about the world that you want to exist and how to sort of approach that as your as as sort of like a starting point of like, "What is the world missing?" And yeah. you know, there's lots of things that would be great businesses, but do we want that business to exist and how would it help people and how would it help, you know, a number of different types of people. And so, um, yeah, I think it just helps you develop frameworks around thinking about these technologies. I agree. And I keep talking about your Twitter and you got your job off
3: Twitter. I got my job off Twitter. Um, it seems like a lot of people these days are getting their jobs off Twitter. What advice do you have around trying to build a personal brand for young people that really want to get into VC?
4: Oh yeah. Let's see. Um, Okay. So for VC specifically, A, first of all, I will say, feel free to reach out to me about this. I literally right before this was writing a thread on this because it's something I love helping people with. I think it can be very unsettling when you don't have a normal background to try and approach something and everybody is telling you just have, just, you know, have the degree that was focused on this exact thing and you don't have to do that. Um, I think the best things come from people working and crossing industries all the time. So I'll say that first. I think with VC specifically, you really want to think about how you can demonstrate proactively the work that you're going to be doing at that firm. So VC has become sort of a trendy job. A lot of people get inbound emails saying, hey, I'd love to work in VC. Can you give me advice? You don't want to do a very generalized cold email, I think. you know It's good to write cold emails, but if you want to stand out from those people, I would say find a few investors who you really admire, both maybe in terms of their portfolio, the way they think, maybe they put writing out, um, their character more broadly. Mm. Learn about those people, learn about their investments, learn about their history and things they put out. Write them a really thoughtful cold email saying, Hey, you know, I've dug into X industry that it seems like you guys are interested in. Um, I have a thesis that the space is going to change in this way, maybe spend some time doing your own work. That will not only teach you how to begin to think about these things, but ideally will also show you know, the investor that you're approaching, that you are able to do this job proactively. I mean, cold emailing is generally a big part of VC, but also thinking through those things as part of the industry. And so um, I think it's a great way to to search for a job while doing things that will make you better at the job and to combine those in and of itself is super helpful to you. Um, but a lot of people send companies without context, which isn't necessarily yeah. bad. If you can source companies, that's great. But I think having a view, a deep view around why they're good, the market conditions, the way research is changing uh, is really like the most differentiated way to set yourself apart as you're approaching the industry.
3: When you're doing like research on these companies while working in venture, what are some of your best practices to do the best research you possibly can?
4: Yeah. On, on the diligence side or even before we get to diligence and sort of like forming market yeah. views? Before the diligence side, before definitely forming market views. Yeah, I would say um, reading primary research, which you've touched on, not being afraid of white papers again, like the cool thing I think is once you start reading a few in an industry, Mm -hmm. your brain literally starts to sort of absorb the formatting of white papers. And so maybe you don't fully understand 20% of the words, but you begin to realize, okay, this one really matters to the the abstract of the paper, for example, I'm going to take the time to dig into this a little bit and then jump back into the paper, whereas these other things don't matter. So that's one thing to do. Don't be afraid of that. I would say also researching or reaching out to researchers more broadly, reaching out to people who are working on like the incubation stage of these technologies and asking them about what they're seeing. Another thing is on the industrial side and on the infrastructure side, as, we, as we've been talking about, reaching out to people who do that job on the daily, just generally being curious about people around you. People talk about investing more broadly and always say, invest in things that you would use as a product. Similarly, as you're going through life, if you don't understand how something works, but you have the opportunity to talk to somebody who does, who like works on that infrastructure, ask them. I think a lot of people, a lot of investors like I'm going to think about market research, you know, like <laughs> if we need more if we need more infrastructure this type, like I'm going to read a report on like, infrastructure. And that's not bad, but honestly like you probably can get in contact with a person who like touches one part of the process and sure it's an incomplete view, but you'll probably learn some really interesting stuff. Um, I think some of the most interesting Insights I've had have been just being curious about there's protests going on from this one working population. Like, what are they protesting about? What are is the issues that they're facing? You know, that type of thing. So curiosity in the abstract, talking to people who work in these industries who you might not think about approaching and then reading primary research.
3: Yeah, I absolutely love that. There's something to be said to just going straight to the source um, and talking to people. I find that that's a really big thing that is getting Missed out on a lot of times, even with reading primary research. Like, I think that's wonderful, but you're right. There's something to be said about going straight to the people that are the subject matter experts and can break it down for you in language that's like way more comprehensible. Uh, so, you've also touched a lot about white papers and you say they're written certain format. Seems like you've been, you read a lot of white papers. What, how does that process go for you? Where are you getting these white papers and then how do, are you reading them?
4: Definitely. You can find them on Twitter. Again, I think. You know, if you're interested in VC, don't follow a bunch of VCs on Twitter. Follow researchers in industries that you're interested in. If it's academic, of course. So, I mean, I had another investment thesis in sort of like gaming more broadly and how gaming is becoming more persistent and a bunch of other artifacts we see there. Um, And gaming, for example, has almost been like uh, interestingly separate from academia for a long time. So Mm. maybe some of the areas in which people are doing real innovation in in there, like maybe it's innovation around latency or other things like that might not be an academic institution. So then think about like where are you seeing social scenes even? Like you almost have to be like a scene analyst. Um like where are you seeing social scenes around gaming and like talk to them, like learn what that social scene means and why people are part of it and uh what they're doing there. But um once you find that and you find those people, then follow them on Twitter. Uh for academics, you can find their white papers and you can talk to them. Um, I would say once you're digging into white papers, just trying to understand like high level, um, high level like inflection points that are really novel. Like there's a lot of innovation happening all the time, but why does this change something for a bunch of people? Or where could it be implemented? Would it where it would change things for a bunch of people? Obviously, that's where venture sort of hits the road is like science that could change a lot of people's lives. Um, and so thinking about how how this could change somebody change something at massive scale i think is really important and then how you begin to break down that research where it would be sold to a hundred people or a thousand people and then you can expand that product over time
3: freaking awesome thank you so much for coming on you answered a ton of questions you're incredibly smart super excited to keep checking out your um tweets but more importantly i actually like your long form stuff even better than your tweets so for where keep talking about your twitter
4: where can people find you Yes. At nwilliam030. I also have my research Twitter linked in my bio. If you want to read white papers, like I recommended, go check out our white papers. They are pretty
3: incredible. I've been loving, like I said, your latest blog post all about, again, in the quantum space. Thank you so much for being on, Nicole. I'm going to have to have you on again, like a year from now, just to see where you're up to. Let's do it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.